Quest Nation, welcome to church this evening. I'm believing God's going to do something spectacular in your life tonight. And what I want you to do right now is just ready your spirit, lean in a little bit, open up your, your mind's eye and get ready to receive a word on this evening. What you can do right now if you want, if you have your Bibles there at home, is open to Matthew chapter 4. And while you're doing that, I just want to share a couple reminders. Listen, this Sunday, Pastor Rick is launching a brand new message series entitled Redemption. You cannot afford to miss Sunday. I promise you that. I want you to get on your phones, text people, direct message folks, invite friends, invite coworkers, and be in the house this Sunday. You can also watch online if you don't want to be in the house. That's okay. You can watch online. We'll be online at 10.30 a.m. But we're launching a new message series this Sunday entitled Redemption, and we are eager and excited about that. Pastor Rick, I know you're probably watching. I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to the people tonight. I thank you. It's always an honor to stand behind this pulpit. And I want to take a second before we get started and just pray for some folks. Miss Joe, pastor's wife, her uncle, uh, she lost her uncle this week to COVID. And we've gotten so many messages this week alone from, there's a dear friend of ours. He's a pastor. He was in the hospital for COVID. We got a message about a family in Alabama it's a dear family friend of some church members of ours. The whole family is in the hospital for COVID. So right now, God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that Isaiah tells us that by your stripes, we are healed. And so we stand on that word today. And God, we rebuke COVID right now in the name of Jesus. We know it's a virus. We know it's running rampant. But God, we stand in faith that you are our healer. And no matter what things look like, God, you are sovereign and you are in control. And we can have faith in that. So right now I speak peace to every family that's dealing with this that might be watching right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me like that. Let's get into the word this evening. I'm excited about tonight. Uh, Pastor D was incredible on Sunday morning. It was so great to have him. And every time uh, I get the chance to deliver a word uh, to Quest Nation or to Quest Church, it's always intimidating because the word that comes from this pulpit is so rich and full. And I want to make sure that I live up to that. So I'm going to deliver a word tonight that I pray it opens your minds, helps you to think a little bit more and dig deeper into your purpose in God. Amen. So let's jump into the word. Matthew chapter 4, we'll begin in verse number 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, You are the Son of God. Command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We'll take our key verse from number four. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to talk on the subject tonight. I can't live without his word. I can't live without his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being in this room. We thank you for being in every living room, every place. God, we just pray your anointing settle in and do its work. It's your anointing that makes the difference, breaks the yoke, sets the captive free. So God, I just want you to take control. Help me to uh, uh, articulate this word the way you gave it to me and articulate it the way you want to. And that it would go forth and, and be planted in the hearts and spirits of men, produce fruit, much fruit, and fruit 
that remains. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. I can't live without his word. I want to start with this uh, statement. Pastor Rick made this statement on Sunday. He's actually made this statement quite a bit over the past few weeks. He said this, in the last two decades, the focus has been on worship in church. In the body of Christ, over the past two decades, the focus has been on worship. But in this season, God has redirected our focus back to the Word. He has redirected our focus back to the Word. Now, let me say a few things about that. The Word of God is the foundational element in all of existence. The Word of God is the foundational element in all of existence. So when my man of God declares something like that, I need to be cognizantly aware of what God is speaking to us as the body of Christ. He's redirecting our focus from worship, and there is a place for that. And it's vital to have worship a part of the lifestyle of every believer. However, right now God is shifting our focus to the Word. And in, order, in the beginning, there was chaos, and out of chaos is where God spoke, and he didn't just bring order when he spoke, he brought life and purpose and initiated that progression. When he spoke, he initiated that progression. We know 1 John 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews eleven three tells us this, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Hebrews 1.3 and Colossians 1.17 tells us this, that all things are held together by the word of God. The reason I'm sharing that with you this evening is because it's important to note what the statement I made at the beginning, that the foundational element of all natural existence is the word of God. The mandate on God's people, I believe, right now, in this moment, is for us to be conscious and aware of our role in what God is doing in the earth right now. It is not our opportunity to lambast people for their views or their opinions or their ways. It's not our time to say, why is this happening to me? And we'll get there in a few minutes. But the idea right now is that the people of God recognize that this is a crucial moment in the history of our lives and really in the history of the church. And it's our responsibility to be aware and conscious of our role. So my intention tonight is to bring our focus or our attention to some ideas concerning the preceding word of God and its essential nature in our life. So here's some two key ideas that I want to pull or extract and bring to the forefront of our attention concerning the last series we came out of. Pastor Rick just concluded a series entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah. And two things I want to bring out concerning that. Number one was the first idea he introduced to us. The first mandate, I should say, that he introduced to us. It was one word. Build, build, build. I think it's imperative that we don't walk away from this, this series or this season that we just came out of and lose, tr- lose sight of that, that essential word. It is our responsibility to be building in the kingdom of God. And the second idea is this. We ended, or the last word, last mandate that was left with us was the dominion mandate. That we step into ownership of our role in the earth today. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and have dominion. God's original intention is his final decision. And I think it's important that we have those thoughts in our mind as we work through the dialogue this evening. So here's a few ideas I want to share with you before we really dive into the text tonight. 
Isaiah 55, 11 says this. God is speaking. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, and it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish, it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And achieve the purpose for which I send it. So let's start right here. Purpose is greater than the person. Purpose is greater than the person. The person is the carrier or the vehicle of purpose that gets it to the destination that God desires. Or the destinations that God desires. You were designed to carry his purpose. When God made you and fabricated you, he formed you perfectly to carry the purpose that he deposited in your life. He made you to be you. He wants you just the way you are, just the way he planted you here. And he wants you to carry the purpose that's in you. But he has an expectation that you won't stay in one place, but that you will be a vehicle that carries it from destination to destination. He needed you to be you in order to carry the purpose he deposited in you. So here's a side note. Don't try to intimidate or be somebody or something that you are not. Don't try to imitate what you see in the pulpit. Don't try to imitate what you see on your job. Don't try to imitate what you see in school that you think is the appealing approach or the appealing way of living. God made you just the way you are. There's only one of you, and we need you just the way you are because you're carrying a purpose that we need to reach some destinations. When you walk around as an imitation or a fabrication of something else, what it does is produce artificial results. All artificial results are not lasting results. They fade away. Or the artificial result you get is detrimental to your progress. So it sets you back or it delays you. And in, in the end, it wastes time. It wastes time. I think you'd agree with me that right now we're not living in a time that can be wasted. We have to be focused, laser focused. This isn't a time for frivolity in the body of Christ. This is a time for the people of God to be focused and aware and conscious and vigilant in what their responsibility is and what their role is in the body of Christ. When you are not that way, that is called sin. Sin is not just making a mistake. That's not what sin is. We've been fed that and and force-fed that over generations. But sin is simply missing the mark. There's a target God had had for you to hit there are many targets he had for you to hit in your life and when you miss those targets that's what sin is that's being outside of the purpose of God for your life so it's essential that the believer that me and you as 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 men and women of God as sons and and daughters in the in the kingdom of God that we're aware and conscious of our purpose and what we are carrying why because we are the vehicle we are the vehicle that gets us there It's essential to understand that the purpose is more important than the person. And this revelation brings us to a couple understandings. When we understand that we're a vehicle carrying purpose, brings us to two understandings. One is humility. Humility, because this isn't about me. This isn't about me. It's humility because God gave me something that belongs to him. And he's going to walk with me through this journey. 
to assure that I accomplish that goal as long as I keep my life submitted to him. So it brings us to the understanding of humility and it also brings us to the understanding of security. Why? Because you're carrying something that doesn't belong to you. God put that in your life. And so he'll set up hedges. He'll set up garrisons of angels around your life to keep you whole so that the purpose can get to its destination. Because the purpose is more important than the person. Amen. Amen. So let's graduate that thinking a little bit and say this. Life and purpose are progressive. Life and purpose are progressive. Their nature is to grow, is to have progress. That's what life and purpose have innate in them is they're, they're progressive. So from the moment God spoke in Genesis, things begin progressing. Here's, here's the picture I want to draw for you. When God spoke and he created earth in those seven days and all the inhabitants of it and all the fullness of the vegetation and the waters and the fowl and all of that, that was not an ending point. That was not the final intention or the, the, the fulfilled purpose of what he intended to create. That was actually a starting point. So when God created everything, he had the expectation that it would progress and grow. For example, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they didn't have air condition. And God bless air condition. They didn't have a vehicle to get from point A to point B. All they knew was the region they were in. That's a trite example, but the reality is mankind, earth, our existence has progressed so far from that moment. And that's God's intention for life and purpose. And it's our responsibility to view our lives and our purpose that way. Many times when God gives us a word, I want you to hear this. It is not for the moment. It's for the purpose of initiating the purpose he deposited in you. I'm going to say that again. When God gives you a word, it is not always for that moment. It's for the purpose of initiating the progression and growth that he has intended for that purpose he put in you. This is where the dominion mandate comes in. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and have dominion. I made you. God says, I made you to carry out my purpose. And this is where uh, we can go back to the idea that Pastor Dustin uh, dropped on us on Sunday where he said we're always in a fight either for generational curses, against generational curses, or we're fighting to build upon a generational covenant. And why is that? Because sometimes God will deposit a word in your spirit for your future, but it's really not for you. It's for your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. But it's essential that you fulfill every moment, you reach every destination that he has intended for you to get to so that they can pick it up where you left it off. Don't make them work harder than they have to. Don't make them work harder than they have to. God's purpose is progressive and is built generation upon generation. And that's why we hear God continually say things like, I will give you the land I swore to your forefathers to give you. They weren't living in the land that they were promised, but they were going to get there, and it was actually promised to their forefathers. So when God gives us a word, it's to initiate uh, or set it on a course of progress to fulfill his intention. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. 
people in general, especially the people of God, don't like change. People don't like change. People like to be in comfortable settings. They like their environments. They don't like things to change. They like it the way they like it. Uh, they like people to look and act the way they want them to look and act. In church, we like to impose our views or our theology on other people. And we love them if they're in line with ours. But if they're not, we have some kind of aggression or animosity against them or something against them because they happen to see things or believe things differently than ours. And the, 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 the irony there is most people's theology hasn't even been studied through. You're just believing something that your granddaddy or your pastor from 10 years ago taught you and you didn't take the time to dig it out yourself to see if it was an actual truth to employ in your life. And so people in general don't like change because when change is imposed on them makes them uncomfortable they don't want to change and so what's the answer there when people don't like change that when people don't like change or refuse to change it stifles progress and so the answer is every single time God always takes his people into trouble or he takes his people into a place that is uncomfortable for them so he can either A, get them back on track or bring them to clarity or bring them to a change of mind, which is repentance, to get them into a focused mindset to get back into progressive purpose. So let's get into this text. And, and, and wouldn't you agree that that's what the last five months have kind of looked like, that God has kind of led us into trouble here a little bit, we've been led into a, a, a space, a, a place that is very uncomfortable for all of us. It's made us all change. There's not one person affected. So let's dive into this text, Matthew 4. So Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want to say this. The Spirit is always leading. The question is, are you aware that it's Him? The Spirit is always leading. Are you aware that it's Him? See, spirit consciousness, I believe, is important, especially right now. Spirit consciousness is important. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Everything about the kingdom of God is spiritual. Jesus said we can't identify or see or tell you where the kingdom of God is. Why? Because it resides within our spirit. When the words of God are declared by a preacher or they're declared by a prophet, or they're coming forth, they're not something you can tangibly see. They are spiritual in nature. And so Jesus in this moment has this spiritual consciousness that he's being led in. See, we all get led to the wilderness. It's just a matter of do we know that God is actually taking us there or not? See, a person who has, uh, uh, here's the two questions that, 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 that happen with us when we get led into a wilderness season. We ask this question. Some ask this. Why is this happening to me? The, that question will never produce positive answers. Why is this happening to me? That question will never produce positive answers. The only, re, the only answer it ever produces or only thing it ever produces is a victim mentality in the person asking the question. I'll leave it there. We should be asking this question. Why did God lead me into this place or why did God lead me into this season? The answer to this question produces progress and purpose. I'm careful here because it's, he didn't just lead him into the wilderness. 
He led, he led him there to be tempted of the devil. He didn't just lead him into a space that was uncomfortable. He led him into a place where he was going to face opposition. He led him into a place where his faith was going to be tested. So the Bible tells us that he was there 40 days and 40 nights fasting. 40 days, 40 nights. Now we know this is not a secret or a revelation because of all the teaching and preaching we've heard over the, the past few months, that 40 is the number of quarantine, or 40 is the number of isolation. 40 is the number of isolation. But God said in Genesis chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. And isn't God good? God is good. But it is not good for man to be alone. Yet God, the Spirit, led him into the wilderness. He led him into quarantine. He led him into isolation. Before God releases us into our assignment in the earth, God will always walk us into an isolated season. He'll always do that. Why? Because that's the way he established it. Watch this. The law first mentioned. He creates Adam. We're in Genesis. Might as well stay there. He creates Adam, and he deposits him into the garden. And when he puts him in that garden, that's when he says, it is not good for man to be alone. But he leaves him there alone, and animals begin to come to him, and he begins to name them, and he begins to do the work that God had put on him to do it, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't fulfilling. And at the end of it, God said, there is not one suitable for him. In other words, he can't accomplish what I put him here to accomplish just yet. But he put him there to recognize it. Not that God didn't know. God already knew that there wasn't one suitable for him in that place. Adam didn't know that there wasn't one suitable in that place. So God leads Adam through this season of isolation. Then God puts him to sleep and he brings Eve in, into Adam. And Adam is able to step into his assignment of dominion. And God sets a pattern in this moment that all of his people, before they step into their assignment, are going to experience an isolation. They're going to experience a quarantine moment. Why? So they understand that this whole thing is not about them. That they must lean on him in order to accomplish it. He didn't put us here all alone and said, go for it. I hope you do well. No, no, no. He put us here so that he could walk hand in hand with us and get us into everything he purposed for us. Elijah. 40 days and 40 nights, he's running to Mount Horeb, and then finally he gets there, and he finally gets a word from God. Moses gets sent to the backside of a desert. We see Jesus in this moment in the wilderness. David is in the cave of Adullam, and then you even have the people of God that are left out in the wilderness for 40 years. They're left out there. They were given a promise that they were going to the promised land, but God left them in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because sometimes a quarantine season is, is set in place to eliminate old mindsets. Because you can't walk into a promise with old mindsets. We, we know this, that they sat out there until they passed away. One generation passed away, and a new generation came on the scene, and then they stepped into the promise of God. Why is that? Because they still had a slave mentality that God had to get a race and eradicate from his people so that when they walked in there, they can walk back into the dominion mandate. So there's always this quarantine season that God puts us through. 
that God puts us through. It's essential. So Jesus is there for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the devil comes. And I think that's interesting. I just want to take a side note here. I heard uh, 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 Bishop Tony Miller say this a few weeks back on Table Talk. Kelly Varner wrote a book, Every 2,000 Years, God Has a Son. And so there's Moses, and then 2,000 years after Moses is Jesus, and here we are 2,000 years after that, and could it be that the Son is the body of Christ, and this is a corporate moment, and this is our quarantine season, so we're about to step into the greatest assignment in human history, because when Jesus walks out of the wilderness, he walks out of the wilderness into the greatest assignment we know to date in history, which was three years of miracles, signs, and wonders, and the kingdom of God preached, him dying on a cross and resurrecting from the grave for all of our sins and here we are 2,000 years later quarantined quarantined again I promise I've heard we've heard our pastor prophesy it we've heard many men of God prophesy it over the past five months the greatest move of God is on the horizon and it's essential that the people of God are not looking at this quarantine as why is this happening to me but why what do I need to be doing to step into my role in the kingdom of God all right, let's move on. And so he was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he hungered. And this is just kind of a little detour. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't take it uh, seriously what happened here. I, you know, through the years, I've always looked at this. Jesus went out to the wilderness, and he just didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Like, that's some easy task. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time fasting for a day. I have a hard time fasting to 4 o'clock. He was out there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and you know, the, the, the challenging part wasn't the fasting part to me. The challenging part was the fact that he was out in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. He was out in the wilderness. I watched this show, uh, this, this show on the History Channel. It's a reality show called Alone. And so what they do is they drop off these people out in the wilderness. They're not there with a the camera crew. They have to film themselves. And they're out there to see who can last the longest. they got to find food, shelter, water, fire, figure it all out. They're out there by themselves doing this. I saw a guy, he ate fish, he ate rodents, he ate this other stuff he caught. The man was out there for 27 days and he lost 32 pounds. He was unrecognizable after that. What I just told you is sometimes the quarantine season you go through will affect you more than you think. And you got to get ready for it. While Jesus was out there, I'm sure he had to figure out where he was going to get water from. While he was out there, I'm sure he had to figure out where he could get shelter from to deal with the elements. While he was out there, I'm sure he had to figure out fire in case it was maybe cold or he didn't have to be in the dark. There were circumstances and situations, little, little uh, uh, minutiae items that happened through that whole experience that he had to deal with. And when he came out, he didn't look the same as when he came in. Everything had changed. And you know what? That's when the devil showed up. That's when the devil showed up because the devil will always show up at your point, your greatest point of weakness, your greatest point of weakness. So the tempter came to him and said, if you be the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And so he appealed to his ego and his greatest perceived need. If you are the son of God, just because you're a child of God doesn't mean the devil ain't coming for you. Just because you got great faith doesn't mean the devil ain't coming for you. This season has done a number on all of us. Our minds are a little funny. Our spirits are a little funny. Our bodies are a little funny. Work is a little funny. School's a little funny. Home's a little funny. And I promise you the devil is about to mess with you. Don't let that tempter get to you. He's going to appeal to your ego first. He's going to appeal to your ego first. Are you the son of God? Make this stone bread. Because that's what you need. You're hungry. 
you need bread. So he appeals to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want you to manipulate this thing into something it was never meant to be to fulfill your desire. And Jesus looks at him with great strength and faith in a moment of weakness and says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that, is, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because if Jesus would have turned that stone to bread, it would have been every word that came out of his mouth and not every word that came out of the mouth of God. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Josh? Jesus is God. Yeah, he is. And yes, he's a miracle worker. And yes, he can multiply bread. We see it later. He multiplied bread for 5,000 people and fed them all with it. But what he did was turn bread into bread. He didn't manipulate something that it was not into something that he wanted to fulfill his desire. And we have to be careful not to manipulate our experiences into what we want them or think they should be to fit our desires. What kind of self-righteous, self-centered, egotistical ideology does it take to think I can look at a stone and turn it to bread? The devil wanted him to violate his own law. He wanted him to violate the word of God here. What's an example of that? An example is the church of God in America is not under persecution. Many people think that right now. We're in a pandemic. If we were under persecution, it would kind of be like the first century where people were on stakes, lit on fire, fed the lions. That's persecution. We may not be able to come into a building like we want to come into a building, but we can still lift our hands and give God glory. We can still worship in parking lots. We can still worship in beaches. We can still gather to the best of our ability and still worship God. Nobody's holding us back from that. And it's essential that we don't try to turn a rock into bread because it fulfills our desire. So he answered him, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. You know, we don't live by bread alone, but we sure do need it. We sure do need it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. So we don't exist just on his word. We need, the, we need bread. Practically speaking, we need it. So what, what, what am I saying here? You know, we have faith to be healed, but we still have take Advil when we have a headache. We have faith to be prosperous, but we still go to work. We have faith that our kids will be safe, but we still lock the door at night. That's what faith is. It's an action. It's a reaction to the word of God and allowing it to come alive in our life. We live by the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our enjoyment, our fulfillment, our, our joy, our love, our vibrancy, our vitality. Uh, uh, it literally means a flow like a river. When we live, we flow like a river. We're, we're, we're finding our way through the places that God wants us to go. Life comes that way when we live not just on bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm going to try to hurry up so I can finish. Every word. Every word. Every word. Every word. Not some. Every word. Not some. Every word. We don't get to pick and choose the word to apply to our life. It's not a box of chocolates. We don't get to look and see which ones we like best. We live, we find our life through every word. So we can't live, we can't be judgmental and say, goodness and mercy, follow me all the days of my life. We can't say that. 
Here's what we can't say. We can't say we're blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when we come and blessed when we go, but we don't believe in tithe. We can't pick and choose the word. We live by every word that proceeds, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here's what the word proceeds literally means when Jesus said this. It's also found in Deuteronomy, and we'll read it in a moment. It carries us. It carries us. It's a, it's a carrier of our lives. It's continually speaking. It hasn't stopped. We live, find our joy, our vibrancy, our vitality, our fulfillment, not on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why we need church so bad. That's why we need men and women of God that hear from God to open up the word for us. Because they give us an opportunity to see things that we would have never seen on our own. To hear from God in ways we would have never heard from him otherwise. That's why it's so essential, especially right now, that we get in line with what the word is saying concerning this season and where we're going. Identify our role and step into that role. The, the disciples tell Jesus in John 6, uh, I think it's somewhere around 68, they tell him, Jesus, because he asked him, you know, are you going to leave me too? Because everybody was walking away. And are you going to leave me too? And they tell him, Jesus, where can we go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want. It will be done for you. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The word, I can't live without his word. I can't imagine my life without the opportunity to hear my pastor preach. I've been listening to him since 1991. I can call out messages from way back then. I was 12. Those words have carried me this far. The call to pick it up again. When mercy ran free, the Benjamin church, in three days, man, I need the preceding word of God. Jesus is so incredible how he deals with the devil here in his weakness, in his feebleness. His whole body had changed, and he's tempted with bread, and he doesn't just say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's a great verse. That's a word. He is the word. He's precise. He uses precision when he deals with this devil. He says, it is written. And he uses a very specific word for this moment. And it's out of Deuteronomy 8. And when I read Deuteronomy 8, 3, and when I read verses 1 and 2, I was kind of shocked a little bit because it was perfect for his moment. I'm just going to read it to you so you can see it yourself. Every commandment or word which I command you, you must be careful to observe, listen, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess. It sounds like a dominion mandate, doesn't it? 
the land which, listen, I swore to your forefathers. And you shall remember the word that the Lord led you all this way. Forty years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and feed on manna that you didn't know and your fathers didn't know. So that you would know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's a word for your season. Jesus didn't dig into that word and grab just any word. He was prepared with precision. Here's an interesting thought. When Jesus walked the earth, the people that knew the word best were the ones that opposed him the most. The people that knew the word, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers, the rulers of the law, they were the ones that knew the word best. They knew scripture best. Everybody depended on them to translate that word for them. And they stifled that word. For control's sake. They manipulated something into another thing it was never meant to be to fulfill their desires. There's a word for you in your season. Don't rest on your old mindsets. Don't rest on old strongholds. Don't rest on old points of view. Don't rest on old opinions. Don't rest on old theology. I challenge you, people of God, to step into a new place, a new consciousness, a new awareness that says, I live by every word that proceeds, that carries me, that leads me, that guides me through this life because I carry something and it ain't about me. I'm just a vehicle. And so I can't let this oil get sludged up. I got to make sure that I'm anointed with fresh oil. And don't lean on anointings from the past. And then when it comes time, and it's hard because this season is changing all of us. It's changing all of us. It's affecting us. That we're strong enough, that we're aware enough to reach back and say, by his stripes we are healed. To reach back and say, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. To reach back and say, we're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. It may look bad, but I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. God has anointed me here. He's spoken it. This word, I can't live without his word. And it don't matter what this season looks like. I know, I know he has me because he said so. He said so. I wouldn't be here otherwise. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. You know what our testimony is? It's evidence of the preceding word of God in our life because it carries, it carried us. And the beauty is it carries us. It carries us. As long as the earth remains, heaven and earth, actually, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's what Jesus said. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. They'll continue to carry you. Dear Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, there are people watching right now. They feel like they're going through the hardest time of their life. There's nothing. There's no food. They didn't choose this fast. 
There's no food sustaining them. There's nothing. There's no nourishment to their spirit. There's no nourishment to their mind. There's no nourishment to their body. Their finances are struggling. They can't imagine why they would be in a season like this, knowing that they are children of God. And God, right now I'm asking you to remind them that your word is right there with them. That yea, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are right there with them. And there's going to be a day where you'll make a table before their enemies and they'll dine right there in front of them. Because your word is carrying them. God, just remind us that you're with us all the way through this. There's There's a purpose. Deep down within us, you spoke it. And your word will accomplish the the purpose for which you caused it to come into the earth for. So God, I pray that you just let peace and comfort and healing and all your goodness just flood every living room, every kitchen, every, every space, every car, every place that people may be watching right now. Encourage them in your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm so thankful that you watched, and I pray God blessed you in some way.